welcome to episode 225 of Speaking of Mysteries. I'm Nancy Clare. Today we're catching up with Margaret Mizushima to talk about Striking Range, the seventh installment in her Timber Creek Canine Mystery Series. So thank you so much for taking time to talk to us. Oh, thank you for hosting me. It's wonderful to be your guest. The best part of a mystery series, at least for me, is when I read each new edition, it's like catching up with old friends, uh, and especially Deputy Maddie Cobb and, and her canine Robo, being a big dog lover I am. So um, they're very real to me. So I'm guessing they are constant companions for you. How is, what's it like to live with Maddie and Robo? Yes, you know, um, it is so funny because my whole family has embraced Maddie, Cole, and Robo as family members. Um, I have a daughter who works in public health, and she even sends me books about um, mental health issues and different therapy approaches. And I have used some of that. I, I should say Maddie has used some of that in her recovery um, from past childhood trauma. So it, it's, it's been a family affair for sure. Um, you know, my husband and I do quite a bit of plotting at the kitchen table um, while we're eating meals. And uh, so much has, uh, I, I've received so much help from family members and it's been great. Um, there are some sleepless nights, though, when I worry about Maddie and what's happening to her in the book and how I'm going to get her out of that problem. So, uh, yeah, it, it's wild. And uh, this has been our process for about the last six years, six or seven years. Yeah. So just on the cusp of Maddie getting a chance to interview John Cobb, who she thought of as her uncle for years, only to discover they had no biological connection, which didn't break her heart, and that he happens to be the man who tried to kill her and might have been the person who murdered her real father 30 years ago. John turns up dead in the prison where he's incarcerated. I couldn't help but thinking that Maddie's quest to track down the events of her past is so frustrating. And I guess that's part of your plan though, right? Yes, um, yes and no. It has been my plan in the last few books, I would say since Burning Ridge. At the beginning, um, Maddie just sort of accepted what she knew about her past. And then as some of her repressed memories are coming out into the light of day, um, she has struggled more and more. But um, Yes, in the last few books, that has really uh, been something that I have had a quest for. Frankly, I'm not quite sure what happened 30 years ago. And this is unfolding for me as well. Um, Maddie is constantly sidetracked, though, by current cases around Timber Creek, Colorado, the fictional town this series is set in. And boy, I tell you, it is probably the most dangerous county in Colorado right now. <laughs> well, 
you know, you you as as all good writers, you've anticipated the next subject that I'm going to ask a question about, which is John Cobb. Uh, John Cobb's death isn't the only suspicious one in the novel. Maddie briefly meets Tanya Greenfield, a very pregnant young woman, at uh, Maddie's boyfriend Cole Walker's veterinary office, and not long after, Tanya is found dead with evidence that she'd recently given birth and that the baby was nowhere to be found. So depending on from which angle you're looking at the crime, there are either a lot of suspects, the baby's father for one, who has shown up from Nebraska, or none, because motive kind of seems thin on the ground. So, you know, that was an interesting, uh, that was an interesting angle. I was, I was surprised. Um, when I'm working on a new book, I try to find two or three themes and premises that I can base the crimes on. And so um, this theme with the disappearing infant was in my mind when I first started to write. Um, and of course, in all of my books, I really focus on family. That is Maddie's one big desire is that she has a family and she loves children. And so it only made sense to bring this missing infant into the storyline of book seven and let Maddie work on that crime. And of course, um, as the story unfolds, they realize that this is a really important piece uh, to solving the, the young mother's murder. And, and the other thing that struck me and has struck me in all of the books I've read in your series, and I don't think I've read all seven, I think I've read four, maybe five, um, is how the geography of Timber Creek uh, County, Colorado, the most dangerous county in Colorado, and the weather are also characters. So now we're in the autumn, the story takes place in the autumn and there is a snowstorm, which is not uncommon, but the ramifications for the story are pretty great. And so I thought you'd talk about how Coloradans, especially the mountain people, uh, or people that live in the mountainous part of the state, deal with the weather and, and, and how that impacts their lives in a, in a general sense and a specific sense for the story. Um. I grew up in the high country of Colorado near a small town called Sawatch. It's not quite as heavily forested as my fictional town, Timber Creek, but I certainly do borrow a lot about townspeople, how they all work together, how they help each other, um, and things like that um, from my past. Um, my parents were ranchers and the Colorado weather was definitely um, something that played havoc with their livelihood, as well as how um, people could actually get around. But Coloradans are a hardy bunch, and we typically have four-wheel drive vehicles and we can get around this type of weather. I do remember one time um, we had a little dog who showed up 
on our front step with what looked like a broken leg. And um, I was in high school at the time. I had my driver's license, but I wasn't that experienced driving in that kind of weather, but it was in the middle of a, a blizzard. And I called my boyfriend and he came and picked me up and took me down about 30 miles away to the nearest vet uh, with that little dog to um, help it. And so that's the kind of thing that um, I guess we just do. My husband and I also raise cattle and um, this spring we had a horrible blizzard and our, our barn and pens are about, oh, I'd say 200 yards up a lane away from our house. And the lane became so drifted in that my husband couldn't drive up there to try to check on the cows and feed them. And um, he ended up strapping on snowshoes and, <laughs> and getting up to the barn. So um, yes, when I decided to have a book set in Colorado, the weather just has had to be a part of the conflict for my characters. And it just has to get in the way. Um, Stalking Ground was the first time that I pitted Maddie against Maddie and Robo actually against a blizzard in the high country while they were actually guarding a, a grave site that they had discovered. And um, then uh, I, I had to do it again. Uh, actually, the weather was a big factor in Burning Ridge as yes. well. But I had to do it again for striking range. Well, I think that one of the things I noticed is how the characters, and you've got Flatlanders like, the, like Hawk from, uh, is that how you pronounce it, from San Diego? I pronounce it Hawk. Hawk from San Diego. How all of these people navigate in the physical space and in the weather in the book is, is sometimes a window into their characters, sometimes a window into the fact that, well, people from Nebraska may know how to drive in snow, but they don't know how to drive in snow and mountains, Nebraska mm -hmm. being notoriously flat as pancake. Right. <laughs> um, and I thought that's, that's a good way to open a window into these characters that you've created that are very real. So it must be, if they're real to me, they must be very real to you. Yes. Um, and I did, I did really think about that as I brought quite a few characters in from Nebraska and the fact that they might not be as uh, experienced and professional in being able to get around. And yet, um, yet I still felt that I could make that happen uh, by using this ice storm that took a while to develop. And so, um, yeah, by the time the ice storm became very dangerous, a lot of the damage had been done. Figuratively and literally. <laughs> so without introducing any spoilers, because I think especially with this book, we have to be careful. Um, let's talk about Maddie's personal journey towards trust. You mentioned that your daughter sends you books about mental health and how she and how 
we all need to learn how to cope with things that have happened in our past, things that are going on currently. And I think in this book, it seemed to me at least, she made some significant leaps. She's able to work through uh, an incident of claustrophobia during a lockdown at the prison where Cobb died. They discover he's dead, the prison locks down. Maddie is, is in a room where the door is locked and she works through that. And in the book, and it's intrinsic to the story, she's blindsided and betrayed. But instead of making her withdraw, it felt to me like she reached out and I thought that was huge. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I was, I'm very determined to um, have Maddie overcome her childhood trauma and have a normal life. And um, I work with a, a friend who's a psychologist and I asked her that. I said, if, if you have a, a, an adult who has this type of traumatic childhood, is it possible for them to have loving relationships with their spouse? And is it possible for them to have a somewhat normal interaction with other people in their environment? And she said, oh, absolutely. And she said the range of uh, reactions from the, that kind of trauma can be anything from total withdrawal to being able to have healthy relationships. So I decided that I wanted to put Maddie into that spectrum of reaching that. And I've been um, carefully unfolding that story in the past uh, seven books. Um, she's at her worst in Killing Trail and she's just gradually healing. And she's working with therapists and she's working with friends. Um, I think Cole, her boyfriend, um, is very uh, frightened that she will continue to withdraw from him um, because she has in past books. But um, so far in, in striking range, their relationship was a lot less tricky. And so um, that's, that's kind of where I want to go to with this series. And it's, it's not all darkness in this mystery uh, because there are puppies. There are puppies. <laughs> and you included a, a detailed explanation of Cole performing a canine C-section delivery that I thought was fascinating. Um, and, you know, I, so I wanted to ask you, that must have been a conscious decision to put that into the book. Cole is working with his daughters, uh, some of his veterinary uh, clinic staff, and it's, it's you know, uh, it's surgery, a C-section on a canine mother's surgery. I thought it was fascinating how he closed in order for the puppies to be able to have access to the dog's undercarriage in order to feed. Uh, something that generally we don't have to think about with humans. Um, and also the, the plus side that uh, Robo is now a dad to eight puppies. So, yes. <laughs> you know, I, I, thought, I thought that was a wonderful counterpoint and of optimism and um, just reality to this book. So I wanted, those are the two things I wanted to ask you specifically about the puppies because the puppies are a through line through the book. 
Yeah, yes. Um, thank you so much for bringing the puppies up. Um, so there are several things I want to say. First of all, I make a conscious decision in every book to involve coal in some type of work that's related to the crime, where he can either uncover a clue or something. Well, this time, um, the theme babies mm -hmm. <laughs> runs through the whole book. And my agent, Terry Wolf, has been asking me to put puppies in the book since about book two. <laughs> but they just haven't fit. Well, when I decided to have this theme of babies in this book, and especially maybe there's some foreshadowing there for Maddie, because there's a scene in, in this book that Maddie's mothering instincts really come out. So who knows? But um, so anyway, uh, I had to have Cole deliver these pups. Um, that's the second thing I want to talk about is that this is an experience that I've had with my husband and our, our two daughters. We, one Christmas um, in the afternoon, got called up to the clinic to help him do a C-section. And so this is something that I've always observed him do. And that gets back kind of to the third thing. When I decided to have a protagonist who was a veterinarian, it was because so many people love to watch my husband work. We go to a barn and he's surrounded by people who want to watch him work on a horse. And I thought maybe readers will enjoy watching a veterinarian work in a book. And so um, my husband is my, one of my consultants. He always reads these scenes. I interview him before I write a scene so that I can use some of the terminology. <clears throat> my editor has cautioned me and not getting too deep into the terminology. So we work together to try to make it a happy medium. So we're not overwhelming the reader, but we're still giving them, you know, some of the details. So that scene came right out of my life. Um, that's exactly how my husband delivers puppies. And there was a little bit of a fictional stretch in, in Cole's decision to do the C-section. Um, my husband might've let that labor kind of sort its way out, but there is a valid reason why Cole wants to go ahead and do the C-section. But, but still, uh, it was such a fun scene to write. It just, uh, and it was so fun to have my husband, Charlie, uh, read it and, and tell me, you know, what, what kind of needed to be tweaked and, and what was okay. I, it, I just loved it. And it was very exciting. It was very exciting to read. And you have a little bit of drama in there with one of the puppies. Yes. yes. It's not a spoiler to, to say that there's a drama no. with one of the puppies. No, uh, that happened in chapter two. Yeah. You know, that it's, it, you know, it, it is, it, and it's, a, you know, it's an experience for Cole's daughters and an experience for everyone to see how these things work, how they're done, how they can go very, very well, and how they can have the potential to not go well. Right. 
Right. So, and I thought this novel ended on a, a surprising note. Once again, we're not going to say what the note is. Okay. Um, because I think readers have to go through the journey with Maddie to get to this place. Because both she and Cole are in danger during the course of the novel, both from the weather and from the bad people that want to do bad things, kill people, um, potentially steal babies, introduce drugs into uh, Timber Creek, because Timber Creek is not immune, like the rest of the, as, as is the rest of the country, is not immune. So it made me think of where Maddie's going to go in the next installment. I mean, because it can't all be sunshine and roses because she's a deputy sheriff. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm wondering that right now, too. <laughs> um, okay. I, I asked for extra time between book seven and eight in my contract because my husband and I are trying to wrap up ranching for that we've been at for almost 40 years, sell our property, and move west to be closer to uh, members of our family. So it has been a huge year. I am one and a half chapters into book eight, and I had to set it aside because we had to get the property ready to list. And um, yes, I'm so eager to get back to it so that I can see, I, I know what's going to happen as far as our major crime in the beginning of the story. And I'm still very eager to know how it's going to unfold. <laughs> well, this just shows that writers have lives too. Yes. <laughs> they have to sell their property. They have to... Uh... <laughs> You know, they, they have to file their taxes. They have to, uh, there are lots of things that they have to do. And I think that um, that's an interesting point that, that you foresaw this, asked for additional time and asked for, uh, you know, a, a, a larger span. So that means your readers are all going to have to wait. <laughs> but I, I think that. where you left the book makes it kind of worth it. So I, I appreciate, okay, I appreciate that. I do like to leave the books in a better spot for Maddie than where she began. Um, Cole's life is pretty awesome. He's yeah. got his daughters. He's got a live-in housekeeper. Who wouldn't want that, right? Right. Uh, he's got a career that he loves. Um, so his life is pretty cool. Maddie, on the other hand, really has her challenges. And Robo is her best friend. And so that just really, Robo is, is helping her learn how to trust. Robo is helping her heal. And of course, they have become very, very attached. They're a brand new pair. When they start Killing Trail, in, uh, in the first book, Killing Trail, and um, Maddie doesn't quite even trust Robo at that point. But she learns pretty quickly in book one that she better trust her dog's instincts. And so things have just evolved since book one. 
Now, even though it has taken us about six years to release seven books, um, the time span in the series is really only about a year and a half. That's what I figured because there, there had been other, uh, other stories in the autumn. And that's what I was thinking that, that um, and that's an interesting thing that writers can do with time. Writers really can mess with the space-time continuum, which is good for readers. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those things that I've asked a number of writers this question uh, because your stories are certainly feel like the present day, but a little bit out of time. So I'm wondering, are you going to include the pandemic in the next story? Or are you just going to sort of keep it um, a little bit off stage or not on stage at all? Yeah, um, gosh, it's a big consideration, isn't it? Um, one of the reasons that I have to crunch time is because Lo Robo's lifespan. Right. Um, he, he has to stay young and, and ready to go. So that's why I've crunched the time. I'm pretty sure uh, that I will keep the pandemic out of the picture and out of the books. Um, one of the things that I have thought about is that if I'm going to write a book uh, that, that talks about the pandemic, I need to kind of make that a part of the plot. And um, I'm just not prepared to do that at this point. Maybe, maybe by book nine, I don't know for sure. But um, the other thing is though, that the pandemic has certainly created problems for our law enforcement officers. And so there might be a reason to go ahead and bring it in, at least in the background, so I can talk about some of the things that law enforcement has had to do to try to protect themselves as they go out there and serve the public. And other writers have said that, you know, it's been, uh, it's been a challenge to write about it because as most readers know, books are written usually a year fiction, uh, a year to two years before you actually get it into your hands. And it's a, it's a, it's a bit of a dance. So a number of people that write series are going to sort of fudge a little, put it in, you know, uh, the recent past. And, mm -hmm. and uh, it's, it's just an interesting conundrum. You know, it's, it's like, because, because the pandemic is one of those events that, that impacted everybody yes. in the world. Yes. Uh, you know, a very rare occurrence Thank goodness. Um, it's a question I'm, I'm asking writers because it's, yeah. you know, it all filters in uh, when you're creating these universes, the, the so-called real world filters in to help you create this. So that's, that's mm -hmm. why I'm asking this question. Mm -hmm. It's a good question. I've had readers um, say, I'm interested in seeing how you're going to treat the pandemic. Actually, I had one reader say that. Most of the mail I get from my readers is, you know, I don't, I don't want to read about the pandemic, so I'm glad you're keeping it out. So I'm kind of listening to that group. Yeah, because reading is a good way to get 
I have read more. I've always read a lot and I have read more in the past 18 months than since college, which was, you know, 50 years ago. So. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, you know, thank you so much for spending time with us and, and talking uh, about your new book, which is really striking ranges is, is they're all good, but this one I think might be my favorite. This one in burning. Mine Ranch. too. Mine uh, too. <laughs> and I, I, you know, I look forward to talking to you, maybe not for a year and a half or so about the next book, because I'm anxious to see where Maddie's going to go and how it's, and how the, what the journey is going to be like. So thank you so much for your time. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. And I've sure had a lot of fun visiting with you today. So thank you. 